Thank you for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. We're excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. We just want to make sure you're aware of a few things before we get to the sermon. First, we'd love to connect with you. You can follow us on our social networks at Hope Church LV, and also be sure to check out our website at hopechurchonline.com. There, you can find out more information about who we are and where we're going as a church. Once again, thank you so much for checking out this sermon at Hope Church. Please let us know if there's any way we can come alongside you and your family. Enjoy the message. In December of 2005, during the same week when I turned 23 years old, I also relocated my life to the city of Las Vegas. Now that seems like a really, really long time ago, but it's amazing to think back all that I've been able to experience here in this city over the past 13 years or so. For example, I met and married my wife, Char, here in the city of Las Vegas. We have three beautiful daughters that were all born right here in Las Vegas. We actually have a fourth daughter due next month who's going to be born here. Now, I take it by you clapping that you're going to pray for me because <laughs> I'm a little anxious, a little nervous. That's a lot. Uh, but our fourth daughter is going to be born here in the city of Las Vegas. I've been able to establish numerous lifelong friendships here in this city. Obviously, God's allowed me to be a part of this work called Hope Church here in this city. I had no idea when I moved here in 2005 that I would come to love the city of Las Vegas so much. Las Vegas is home. And as it is with most people who love where they live, there are some questions that I ask on a daily basis about our city. Some are spiritual, some are practical. But there's a series of questions that I just think about and meditate on on a regular basis as it relates to this city where we live. For example, on a regular basis, I'll ask questions like, what's the weather like today? Or what are the major news stories in Las Vegas today? Or how are my kids doing at school today? Now, I don't ask these questions about other cities but I definitely ask these questions about the city where I live. Other questions that I'll ask, is there still construction on the 15 and 215 today? <laughs> the answer is always yes. Uh, how are our church planters across the city doing today? How's God going to use our church today? Just normal questions. Well, this, this week I was reading a book and I came across a really powerful question. And I wish I could tell you that it's a question I ask on a daily basis about our city. But if I'm honest, it's not. And I'm convicted that it's not. It's a powerful question about a city. Here, here's the question that I read this week in the book that I was reading. How many people in our city will hear the gospel today. Now, obviously, on a daily basis, the mission of God in Las Vegas is on my heart. But up until this week, I'd never thought about 
this specific question. Today, every day, how many people who live in the city of Las Vegas will hear the life-changing message of Jesus? The book that I was reading this week um, is talk, was talking about some missionaries in Hong Kong. And this missionary couple attended a training event, and up on the wall there was a sign. And that question was on the sign. And as I continue to read, the book talked about the way this question just wrecked this missionary couple. To the point that they spent numerous nights staying up just praying, asking God specifically to show them how they could be a part of the people in their city hearing the gospel. Have you ever done that? Have you ever asked the Lord how he desires to use your life, your job, your skill, your passion, your resources, in order for the people in our city to hear the gospel. I'm not saying that the other questions that I mentioned are wrong or evil, but I do want us to think for a moment at the fact that those questions about the weather and the news and construction should not be the primary questions that are on our heart as followers of Jesus. Here's what we're going to spend our time doing today. We're going to look at the very core mission that we have as followers of Jesus. And that is sharing the good news with others and seeing them born again into a love relationship with God. So if you have a copy of the scriptures, would you look with me in the Gospel of Matthew, the first book in the New Testament? In just a moment, I'm going to read a couple of verses from chapter 4 of Matthew's gospel. If you don't have a Bible today, we're going to put these verses on the screen for you so that you can follow along with us as we read. What we're about to read is the moment when Jesus called his very first disciples. It's a great story that's mentioned in the gospels, and it's when Jesus approached a couple people by a body of water that was called the Sea of Galilee, and he invites them to follow him. So Matthew chapter 4, I'm going to start reading in verse 18. Now as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then listen to what Jesus says here in verse 19. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he, meaning Jesus, called them. Immediately. They left the boat and their father and followed him. So what I want to do during our time today is I want to ask and answer three clarifying questions. 
and pull some principles out of this passage of Scripture that we can apply to our lives today. Here's the first question. What do these verses reveal about the heart of Jesus? What do these verses reveal to us about the heart of Jesus? One of the reasons I love to read the Gospels in the New Testament is because we get a glimpse into the life and the ministry of Jesus to see how he interacted with people. We get to see how he spent his time. We get to see the things that were important to him. And I believe in this passage, there are several things that reveal to us some some things that are on the heart of Jesus. Verse 19 tells us that Jesus approached several people who were doing what they probably did every day, and that was fishing. But on this specific day, Jesus walked up to Peter and Andrew, and he said something that I believe is both bold and profound. Here's what Jesus said in essence. He said, I want you to follow me and I want you to join me in my mission of changing lives. And in that one statement that we read in verse 19, I believe there are a couple of things about the heart of Jesus that are very, very clear. And here's the first one. Jesus desires a relationship with us. Both in verse 19 as well in verse 21, Jesus invited these men to begin following him. When he did that, he was inviting them into a relationship. And the same invitation that he offers here in Matthew chapter 4 to those men, he offers to us today. Jesus desires a relationship with us. It's because of what Jesus said to Peter and Andrew in verse 19 in this story. It's the reason we refer to people who have a relationship with Jesus as Jesus followers. You see, in spite of our brokenness, in spite of our sinfulness, Jesus desires a relationship with us. God has made a way through his son for you and I to experience freedom, forgiveness, and life that is only found in him. It is our personal following of Jesus, our personal relationship with Jesus, that is the basis for everything else in our lives. And that relationship begins when we recognize our sin before him, put our faith in his finished work and life, and are by grace given a right standing before God. So that's the first thing that I believe we see in verse 19 about the heart of Jesus. Jesus desires a relationship with us. But Jesus did not stop just by saying, follow me. He went on in verse 19 to say this. And I will make you fishers of men. We see something else about the heart of Jesus in the second part of that statement. And it's this. Jesus desires to work through us to lead others to himself. If you've been at Hope Church for any length of time, you know that we believe following Jesus is all about relationships. First and foremost, following Jesus is about a love relationship with God. We are born into a love relationship with God. But following Jesus is not just about a love relationship with God. 
It's also about a relationship with God's family, the church, as well as a relationship with people who don't know God at all. And when we are born again into a relationship with God, not only are we made to be children of God, not only are we made to be brothers and sisters in Christ, we are also missionaries in the world. And the second part of verse 19 reflects the heart of a missionary. Jesus not only invited these men into a relationship with himself, he also invited them to share in his mission. John MacArthur said this about this story in Matthew chapter 4. When Jesus called those first disciples, he gathered together the first fish-catching crew of his church. He had the power and the right to accomplish the work of proclaiming the gospel by himself. But that was not his plan. He could have done it alone, but he never intended to do it alone. From the beginning of his ministry, his plan was to use disciples to win disciples. You see, our involvement in God's mission is totally his work. But it's a work that he chooses to do through us as his people. So very simply, what do these verses reveal to us about the heart of Jesus? Look at this statement. Jesus desires a relationship with us and to work through us to lead others to himself. That's the heart of Jesus. That's his heartbeat. He passionately longs for a relationship with people. And he longs to live through his people in order to reach other people. Well, that begs a second question for us today. How do I seek to lead people to Jesus? If the heart of Jesus right now is a relationship with people and to work through us in order to lead people to himself, how do you and I seek to lead people to Jesus? Well, you probably know this, but the, the subject of leading others to Jesus is one that leaves a lot of people feeling paralyzed. And I get that. There have been many sermons just like this one where the intent was to put every person in the room on a guilt trip when it comes to sharing their faith. But I want you to know this. Today is not a guilt trip. Today is not an attempt to launch a new church growth program. Here's what today is. Today is simply recognizing what the life of Jesus looks like. And recognizing that as he lives through us, our lives will reflect his life. And his life is one that is marked by mission. A mission to see the world redeemed and transformed by the glorious gospel of Jesus. In both verse 20 and 22, we see the word immediately. These men heard Jesus say, come after me. And the scripture says that in both instances, they immediately dropped what they were doing and began following Jesus. 
You see, there was an immediate response to the heart of Jesus. And I believe today, as we look at this story from the Gospel of Matthew, there is to be an immediate response to the voice and the heart of Jesus that we see in this passage. So here's what I want to share with you. I want to share a very simple application statement that I believe we should take in response to the heart of Jesus today and apply directly to our lives as we seek to live on mission. So here's the simple application statement, and then we're going to talk about it for a few minutes. I am to talk to Jesus about people and then talk to people about Jesus. I'm to talk to Jesus about people, and then I'm to talk to people about Jesus. So let's, let's unpack that. Let's look at this first piece. I am to talk to Jesus about people. In many conversations like the ones, the one we're having today, the immediate response is fear, excuses, remembrance of a bad experience, or some reason why you or I sharing our faith is absolutely impossible. I want, I want, I want you to know there is something that will change that from being your response, if that is your response today. It's just consistent for a lot of people when someone shares about communicating the gospel or sharing Jesus in some way. There are excuses, there are fears, there are a lot of things that come to our heart. Did you know there's something that can change that response? And here's what will change it. When what's on God's heart is on your heart. You see, our perspective changes when our heart changes. Well, that begs the question, how does our heart change? One word, prayer. For a lot of people, they see prayer as an opportunity to share their list of needs with God. And that is one part of praying. We are to lay our needs before him. But let me tell you what happens when we spend time before the Father crying out in prayer. What's on his heart is placed on our heart. And when our heart changes, our perspective also changes. Amen. As I talk to Jesus about people, what is on his heart for those people will be placed on my heart. And what is on his heart for people is that they are born again into a love relationship with him. I was talking to someone this week and they began to share with me about some people and then a specific place that they had just been praying about, praying for. And as they began to talk about the people and the place, they became emotional to the point of almost tears. Well, why was that? Because what was on God's heart for those people in that place was now on their heart. I remember several years ago when we adopted an unreached people group called the Wadi people. Um, I've never been to that part of the world uh, where they live in the Arabian Peninsula. I've never met anyone who's a part of that people group. But I just prayed for them for weeks and months. And I was, I was leading a staff meeting for our, our, our team here. And I began to talk about the Wadi people. And I found myself just being moved to the point of tears. Well, what caused that? Well, it wasn't a sermon 
It was the fact that I had spent hours before the Lord praying for those people. And what's on God's heart for the Wadi people is now on my heart. And there's a brokenness and compassion for them. But it started by talking to Jesus about people. Charles Stanley said this, sharing our faith means we have entered into spiritual warfare. The forces of darkness will always strive against the power of God. Our mightiest weapon is specific, persistent prayer on behalf of our lost friends. When we pray for an unbelieving friend, we confess our dependence upon God for his leadership, his wisdom, and his timing. Now, here's what's interesting. As I think about my own journey, when it comes to sharing my faith or sharing the gospel, you know what I get the most anxious about? How to lead through it. Am I going to have the right answers? (laughs) And when should I have those conversations? You know what prayer does? Prayer removes all that. Prayer is us acknowledging that if someone is going to be drawn into a love relationship with God, it's going to be because he chooses to do it through us. All the pressure's off. It's not dependent on us. It's dependent on God. But to understand that and to really have his heart for those people, we must first talk to Jesus about people. Here's the second part of that application statement. I'm to talk to Jesus about people and then talk to people about Jesus. My very first trip to Las Vegas was in the spring of 2001. I was actually a part of a mission team that was sent from Tennessee that came here to serve over spring break. Just like the team we commissioned to Denver, I came to Las Vegas as a senior in high school on a mission trip. And as we were here, I remember the very first morning that we were here, uh, Vance came and met us at our hotel and we walked out to the pool and Vance led a devotion for us that morning just to kind of start the day. And um, of course, I remember everything that Vance preaches during his sermons. But specifically for this one, I do remember it. He asked us the question. He said, what is our role in the mission? And he said two words. We're to pray and we're to proclaim. That's really the heart of this statement. We're to be people who talk to Jesus about people. We're to pray and then we are to proclaim. As we walk in tune with the heart of God, every moment of our lives becomes an opportunity for God to share his story through our lives. As I pray for people, God will lead me to proclaim the good news to them. Rick Warren said this, many parts of your life mission are unique, but there's one part of your life mission that we all have in common. God wants you to tell other people what's happened to you. Now that's a great statement. And that's inspiring. But how do we do that? Well, let me tell you this morning how I believe we do that. It's a simple application statement. I am to talk to Jesus about people. We're to pray for them. And then we're to talk to people about Jesus. We're to proclaim. We are to tell the gospel. 
Only the Holy Spirit can bring about movement. So we must pray. And only the gospel can change lives. So we must share. So here's what we see in these verses. We see, first of all, that the heart of Jesus is for a relationship with people. And he desires to work through his people in order to lead others into a relationship with him. We see that when these disciples heard the voice in the heart of God, there was an immediate response. There was, a, there was an application for them. And for us, I believe that is to begin to pray for lost people and look for opportunities for God to use us to proclaim the gospel to them. So that's the heart of Jesus. That's how you and I seek to lead someone to Jesus. And so here's the third question. And this is even more application. This is very specific for us today. Who is one person I can seek to lead to Jesus? We've seen the heart of Jesus. We've seen immediate response to the heart of Jesus from the disciples. So here's the question I want us to think about for a few minutes today. Who is one person that you can seek to lead to Jesus? You see, all of us have a circle of influence. People that we know, people that we do life with to some extent. And if you live in Las Vegas... 92% of the people here do not have a relationship with Jesus. So here's what that creates. That creates an incredible opportunity for gospel impact. If we all have a circle of influence and the city where God placed us, 92% of the people are not followers of Jesus. That creates a scenario for incredible gospel impact as we join in the mission of Jesus and allow him to press his life out through us. Pastor J.D. Greer, who's a good friend of our church, he said this, there is at least one person, one neighbor, one coworker, one friend, who God put in your life because they need to hear the gospel. All of us have at least one. So here's what we're going to do today to really apply this on an even deeper level. We're going to introduce a question. And this question is intended to keep what is on the heart of Jesus, that being gospel impact in our city, in front of us. Here's, here's the question. Who's your one? Who is one person in your circle of influence that you desire to see follow Jesus? Now, I hope a lot of people come to mind. I hope there are multiple people as you think about your circle of influence. This morning, here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to identify one. One person that you know right now does not have a relationship with Jesus and that God has put it on your heart to begin to pray for them and to seek opportunities to lead them into a relationship with Jesus. Listen, God saved you because he loves you. But he also saved you because he loves the people around you. And our heart as a church is to see everyone on the planet embrace the gospel. But we're starting with one. 
So I want to ask you again, who's your one? Now, you may be thinking, Pastor, I need a, I need a little bit more help in, in trying to identify this, and I understand that. So let me ask you just a couple of questions. And as I ask these questions, listen for the voice of God to put a person or a relationship on your heart or in your mind. Who is one person you have a relationship with that does not yet have a relationship with Jesus? Who is one person you care deeply about, but they, are, they have not embraced the gospel? Who is one person the Holy Spirit is bringing to your heart and your mind right now? For me, as I prayed this week about one person, I asked the Lord to really clarify. He put someone on my heart who lives in my neighborhood. It's a person that is a part of a cult. They do not follow Jesus. And God has put it on my heart to begin to pray for them, to pursue relationship with the desire to know them, love them, and share the gospel with them. Who has the Lord placed on your heart? I want to share with you how we're going to make this much more than just a moment in a sermon. We're asking every person today to identify one person who you know does not follow Jesus, but God has put them on your heart for you to begin to look for opportunities to pray and to live on mission in that relationship. We're asking every person to do that, and we're going to apply this in really three ways, three simple ways. First of all, we're going to ask you when it comes to that person, here's the first thing, to pray, to cry out to God on behalf of your one for the next 30 days. So for the next month, you would say, you know what? I'm going to talk to Jesus about this person. So we want to give you some tools. This website, hopechurchonline.com slash who's your one, you can go there right now. And there's a 30-day prayer guide that you can use. And every day you can access it online and you can just begin to pray for that person that God has put on your heart. Here's the second way we're gonna apply this. Not only pray, but invite. Be intentional to invite your one to an Easter service on April 19th, 20th, or 21st. With Easter coming up, it's a great opportunity simply to invite someone to be a part of one of those services. Now, you can invite someone any week. Next week, we're going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper together. Pastor Vance is going to be here, and he's going to lead us in that time. It's a great week to invite someone. But with Easter coming up, it's just an easy conversation. So we want to ask you to be intentional. There was an invite card in your seat. And then as you leave today out in the courtyard, you're going to see some tables with more invite cards. And I want to encourage you with this. Obviously, we're talking about identifying one person. But don't let this cause tunnel vision for you. We want you to begin to pray for this one. But this week, at the restaurant you go to, at the place where your kids go to school, at your office, you're going to interface with people. And as God moves in those relationships, invite them to Easter as well. But we know we want to start with one. And then here's the third way we're going to apply this. Tell. Look for opportunities to share the gospel with your one by using your personal story of how Jesus changed your life. Pray, invite, and tell. Now, I know even as I read this statement about tell, people get anxious. So here's what I want you to know. On May the 5th, 
Pastor Vance is going to be teaching here that Sunday, and he's going to share with you. He's going to help us understand how we share the gospel by using our personal story. And then out of that Sunday, we're going to be offering numerous workshops that you can be a part of to help you understand how do I share the gospel by using my personal story. So for each of these applications today, we want to help you. We want to equip you through the prayer guide, through invite cards and great environments every Sunday. And then on May the 5th and then beyond that, we're going to come around you and help you understand how to share the gospel by using your personal story. So in the seat pocket in front of you, or if you're on the front row underneath your seat, there's a little bookmark that looks like this. I want to ask you to grab that. You're not going to turn this in. This is just for you today. But I want to ask you to grab this. And you're going to see a couple things on this card. First of all, you're going to see a blank under the question, who's your one? Here's what I want to invite you to do today. Whatever name God has placed on your heart, I want to ask you to write that name down. It could be first name, first name, last name, whatever, whatever you want to do. And I want to ask you to take this and put it in your car, in your office, in your bedroom, somewhere where you're going to see it and allow it to prompt you to pray. You'll also see on this bookmark a list of the 30 days of the scripture that we want you to pray over that person. Now, there's a more expanded prayer guide on our website, but you can even take this and just for 30 days begin to pray these verses over the person God has placed on your heart. You may keep this in your Bible, whatever you want to do. But the action step today is to begin to pray, to talk to Jesus about the name that you're going to write on this card today. Like I said, this is for you. We're not going to take this up. We're not trying to guilt trip you into anything. We just want to give you some tools to help you as you seek to identify this one, pray for this one, invite this one, and ultimately tell this one about the good news of the gospel. If that makes sense today, would you say amen? Amen. amen. I, wanna, I can't wait to see in the, in, the, in the weeks, the months, the years to come, how many names that right now are on a card that are going to be written today are going to be people we get to meet and celebrate the fact that they have embraced the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to invite you to bow your head. We're going to transition now to a time together to pray. As we respond today, I think there are a couple of ways that we can do that. First of all, you may want to use this time just to begin praying, maybe for the first time, for the person God has put on your heart today. Maybe you want to take this prayer time, this response time, and just pray for your one. Maybe you've never done that before. But you want to take this time to pray for their salvation. You want to pray for opportunities. You want to pray for God to soften their heart. You want to pray for God to draw them to himself. Maybe that's what you want to do during this response time is pray for your one. Another way I think that we can respond today is maybe you're here and if you're honest, you're just not feeling it. Your heart is hard towards what we're talking about today. And you just want to come and get, get at this altar 
and just ask God to soften your heart. You want to ask God to break your heart for what breaks his. God loves our city. God loves the people in our city. He desires to see them redeemed. And if that's not where your heart is today, maybe your response is just to go before him and ask him to soften your heart. Maybe you want to come to one of our pastors and just ask them to pray for you. That God would give you compassion for the lostness of our city and the relationships that you have with people who don't have a relationship with God. Or maybe you're here and and you've never embraced the gospel. Maybe today as you hear about the heart of Jesus being for a relationship with people, you've never understood that before. God loves you. God desires a relationship with you. But there's a huge problem. Because of our mistakes and our sinfulness, we cannot have, an ac- have access to a holy God. We're too broken, we're too sinful. But God in his love made a way through his son, Jesus. He sent Jesus to the earth. Jesus lived a perfect life and died on the cross as a substitute for our sin. And now Jesus, having been killed and then brought back to life by the power of God, stands ready and willing to invite us into a relationship with him. We do that by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. If that's you today and you need the gospel, in just a moment when we stand, I want to encourage you to come to one of our pastors. We would love to connect you with someone today who can show you from the Bible how you can be born again. Or maybe you're here and there's a relational issue in your life, a financial issue, a physical issue, and and you just want somebody to pray for you before you leave this campus. Our pastors would be honored today to pray for you. So God, as we move into this response now, But I pray you'd continue to speak to us. Lord, I know with confidence that what we're talking about today is on your heart. God, I know it is. I pray that it would be on our heart as well. God, I pray for every name that was written down this morning. God, would you save those people? Lord, would you, by your amazing grace, rescue them and allow them to experience the freedom, forgiveness, and life that is only found in you. God, break our hearts for what breaks yours. Speak to us now as we respond. In Jesus' name.